magical hour. Oh, Matthew and Schaefer. Shafee. Shafee, are you there? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Podcasting during the day, for the first time in a long time. It's really exciting. We're full of we're full of vim and vigor, and uh, and st- still. Sorry if I was giggling when I got started. Uh, uh, that that trip back to you know, Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein uh, just set me off. <laughs> I'm still I'm still laughing inside about uh, about that whole scene. We didn't make it to the part where he stabs himself in the leg with a scalpel. But we will. We'll get there. And we'll get there with this guy. He can podcast standing up. His name's Matthew Rampy. Hello, Matthew. Podcasting, swaying to the laptop, talking about stuff that no one cares about. Oh, we care about it. I, I referenced that song and I had to look it up. I was like, when is that song from? Oh, 77. <laughs> Flow dancing, Johnny Reeves, and I was like, "Oh, I was one." That's why it's that's why it's so etched in my memory. <laughs> yeah, this could be the etched in our memory podcast because we're starting with the, starting with that Young Frankenstein drop. I'm not kidding; that totally got me going because uh, when I was a kid at my grandparents' house, there were like five Betamax video cassettes, and one of them was Young Frankenstein. One of them was. A Night at the Opera, the Marx Brothers movie, and one of them was the Holy Grail. These were left over from like my uncles when they left, you know, when they moved out of my grandparents' house, and and one of them was Young Frankenstein. And man, I watched those three. Those three movies were pretty important in my comedic development because I watched the three of them so much. I don't. I don't think I've actually seen the entirety of Young Frankenstein. Oh, you got to that movie. I love Mel Brooks. Uh, you know that movie pops on every look. Not I love. I love Gene Wildman. Gene Wilder. Yeah, there's there's something about Gene Wilder. Excuse me. There's something about that movie in particular. Like 
the whole uh, flipping of of Frankenstein on its head was just it was the perfect kind of you know like subtle comedy for Gene Wilder because because even though like Gene Wilder it's funny like he is a he is a weird expressive you know looking person but it, you know he's a total slow burner when it comes to com uh, comic delivery yeah and it's such an it, you know it's such a for him fantastic you know it works so well but uh the, and the fact that you know they've subverted that whole Frankenstein story to have you know him like not wanting you know him not believing and then him kind of realizing that it's happening and oh and wait like, are you telling me the is this do, were you supposed to say spoiler alert is that <laughs> no. is that part of the plot I I mean I guess I should say that but I honestly in in my world like I just assume that everybody has seen that movie a hundred times but I guess that that might not be true I, I um, do I've literally I have not seen that movie I've huh. seen I've seen clips but I haven't seen it I know it's a real omission maybe it's just one of those little things that it's going to be a gift for me someday to get to yeah. watch that uh, speaking speaking of gifts, uh, my uh, my dad got back to me. Uh, you know, I sent him the picture. He was he was super super excited about uh, the picture of Griffin in front oh, of. Oh, you the, sent him the picture. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that was uh, that was awesome that he just said, "Go look in the shop and see if you need anything." <laughs> and then, like, we'd had such a good time, and I wanted to be a gracious. Uh, uh, taker of things, and so I. But I did. I did find some. I did unearth some things in there that were exciting. Schaefer's talking about uh, his dad. Uh, I ended up taking from his dad's shop of of ephemerata, um, shop of of hardwares of for many years. Right, my, it's just like collecting stuff out there. Yeah, my dad is an avid collector of things, uh, and and he has quite good taste, actually. Um, well, he the just, thing that I took is rad. It's it's one of the Coca Cola bottle carriers that are wooden, and sometimes people take them and put them up on the of the wall and turn them into a little curio hanger thing for for thimbles and tiny bric-a-brac, I guess. Some tchotchkes. You could put some tchotchkes in there. My kids. It's funny because your dad also offered us that box of rocks. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a box of polished rocks, and I love rocks. And in fact, right. I, I bring my kids rocks when I go places. I'm like, I went to Colorado. I brought you this rock. Everybody gets to pick a rock. So I, I took five, actually. It was, it was one for each kid. And then I made this little podcaster figurine setup with these other three rocks. I found this rock that kind of looked like a little dude. And then another two sets of rocks that represented the desktop and the laptop on top of the desk. And he was like the little rock podcaster guy, which my kids loved. My kids took those rocks and just incorporated them all into their rock collection. And then they're displaying them inside the Coca-Cola Coca bottle carrier. I don't know what that thing's called. A case. It's like for a case of Coca-Cola. It's an old glass bottle. Yeah. It's like a it's a display case, I would we, say. We gotta we gotta look up what that thing's called. Uh, and if you can get my my other parent, if you ever can ever get my mom to stop by, then 
as a geologist, she can identify all of those rocks for the kids. Well, we'll put out an invitation. Maybe we'll ensnare her with an invitation sometime when it's yep. safe to be together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to tell the listenership that Schaefer is a master at segues, the way he said. Speaking of gifts, but I also want to tell the listenership that we're a little, we're totally off schedule. We, we've been keeping this Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday night schedule for a few weeks, but it got pushed. Thursday night got pushed, so we recorded on Friday night with a, a happy hour. American style, you know. Oh, that was a slap happy happy hour. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there was there was that there was that, and um, our guest had been drinking, and so then I was drinking, and I, well, I feel we're all we're everything's all fakakta. We uh, are yeah. we're totally out of sorts, and um, I, not not just pandemic, not just football, but this we're recording on a Sunday afternoon, which I think we've only done one other. We did a, a an intro recording to the Lauren Marks interview on a Sunday afternoon one time. Yeah, that sounds right. And also, in case you, anybody out there in OMH, I mean OMN, is wondering, uh, <laughs> my my tooth is still fakakta too. Ah. Um, it's it's much better. The antibiotics have been doing their work, uh, and this you know the inflammation or whatever it was that was happening in there is is uh, receding. But uh, I still uh, we we had to, we had to time today's uh, today's cast just right so that it was it was when the pain was in in remission. That's terrible. And so here we are. <laughs> but I'm in my, I'm in much better condition than I was on on Friday night, which you know, Friday night was just hilarious in every way because all three of us were in different places. <laughs> Both literally and uh, metaphorically. <laughs> also, the Fakakta uh, is the word of the day. It's the yield word shop word of the day. I, you know, I it's really an Italian bread. <laughs> it's a it's a Yiddish word. It's a Yiddish word used to describe something that is not working well or is really crap. Um, <laughs> I really have a you'll you'll see over time that I really have a penchant for Yiddish words for a for a Germanic Irish guy from the high plains of Texas. I sure do like the Yiddish. Oh, they have some. It's of the funnest, so some descriptive, of the and the sounds are just so great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Chachkis, um, Meshugana. Okay, save them. <laughs> <laughs> right, look, I'm just going down the show sheet. Uh, I'm not as excellent a segway or a Schaefer. Um, <laughs> some days you segue, some days you don't. There, to to go back to something we talked about, we we really we got to try to contact that guy that died for 45 minutes in Mount Rainier. Yeah, Michael Napinski. Um, I'm gonna. I feel like that. I'm gonna look for him on Facebook right now. I feel like media is gonna come call you made a joke when the podcasters come calling but like <laughs> i think legitimate media outlets might come talk. not that this is oh, a legitimate media no, outlet i have no doubt do we have a do we have a a song for the for looking up michael nipinski does it go something like this I'm <laughs> 
Michael, uh, how do you feel about cold these days? <laughs> how, are you, how are you tolerating the cold? Michael, we wanted to ask you some hard-hitting questions. Do you, do, you need a, do you need a bookie when you're sitting in your chair now all the time, Michael? Or are you inured to the cold? That, that's basically what we want to ask him, right? I'd like to ask him some questions about it, like near-death experience, actually. Because doesn't something happen with DMT in your head when you have a near-death experience? I don't. I've believe it or not, I've never done DMT. And do I've we do we have a beat to look up near-death experiences? <laughs> I like that it, <laughs> when I started putting in near-death experiences, it, the first thing that popped up was near-death experiences 2019. So if you want to talk, <laughs> even people who've had a mystical near-death experience last year. <laughs> I'm not sure why I thought that I could just find this guy on Facebook. I'm just kind of realizing now that this it's probably, is a stupid idea. It's probably a common name, right? <laughs> well, No. Uh, there were, there were no, I found a Mike Konopinski, uh, but no, no, no Mike, Michael Napinski. Uh, I have found about a hundred articles about him. So yeah, no, he might, he might not be dying to hear, hear from yeah, us. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Coming comes as a surprise to no one. Well, I'm glad that we explored that a little <laughs> further because now we can just check it off the list. Right. I love when you get your to-do list and you find one that's like, ah, I'm not, I shouldn't do that. Just check. I say it all the time. Look at your list. Cut it in half. Would it be good imaginary radio for me to just like find a Michael Kaminsky, Kaminsky in the white pages and just cold call him? Probably not. <sighs> Michael, are you, are you the Michael... Napinski, who died for 45 minutes recently, featured in the BBC article. No, well, you want to talk to us anyway? <laughs> so from, uh, from Frontiers in Psychology, uh, DMT Models, the Near-Death Experience is the title of the article. Near-Death Experiences are complex, subjective experiences which have been previously associated with the psychedelic experience, and more specifically, with the experience induced by the potent Sarah tonergic dimethyltryptamine or DMT and dimethyltryptamine. Potential similar similarities between both subjective states have been noted previously, including the subjective feeling of transcending one's body and entering an alternate realm. It's a lot like listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's subjective. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean... I'm glad Michael's back with us. Sometimes when you when you leave your body and enter another realm, though, you're not super stoked to be back in the mortal coil, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's a bummer to know that you're going to die and to have that feeling, but maybe transcendence is better. I don't know. It's a personal decision. I could not find 
I could not find any Michael Knapinski's in Seattle, Washington on the white, white pages, so I've been saved from my own stupidity. But <laughs> Well, why would you – wait, why would you assume that he lived in Seattle? Uh, I don't know. Because they – I mean they took him to the hospital there, but he was at Mount Rainier. <laughs> Schaefer is eating a ray of light in <laughs> – <laughs> For once on the video chat, I can see Schaefer quite clearly, and he's got. You, he he had the he had the blinds open. Oh yeah, how's your uh, how's my buddy? How's my buddy over there? Your uh, sonic. Uh, my hand carved wooden headboard. Your headboard, yeah. She's looking great right now, right? Is there a theme song for Schaefer's wooden headboard? <laughs> mm, I don't. I think it, does it go like this? It's supersonic, so I hear. Not to be confused with the old uh, Seattle supersonics. Um, so we've been talking about a lot of important stuff, a lot of deep stuff so far on the podcast today. I want to get to, and I'm going to do this. I, I know we're not supposed to do this, but I've been. this has been on the show sheet for some time now. And I hope that you're ready to talk about your assertion that says Adam Sandler is the nickelback of acting. Uh yeah. This Was this a uh, fever dream that you're not ready to talk about? No, it's fine. Let's go for it. I uh I first of all I have a genuine affection for certain Adam Sandler movies. Generally his fish out of water films like Little Nicky and uh, uh, Little uh, Nicky, Happy Gilmore. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. All all the fish out of water ones. Yeah. I, I also like most of the uh, the collaborations with Drew Barrymore, Wedding Singer, uh, Fifty First Dates. <clears throat> uh. But uh, I think that the ratio of quality stuff that that guy has put into the world versus like <laughs> almost unwatchable films is it's it's in, increasing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I I guess I just don't want to say like I'm not hating on either of these guys, I, either Nickelback or Adam Sandler. Um, but, but but we can agree that Nickelback is a widely derided band. Right? Uh, they are they are widely derided, and I think uh, it's you know, and uh, most of their music is not for me. I will say I find that one song "Photograph" like it's like recorded in a minor key, and like uh, with that song, I understand what that song is trying to do, and I think it does it perfectly. Um, Listen to this podcast every time it does it makes me laugh. Okay. Yeah. Is it a silly song? Yes. Does it exactly achieve what it wants to achieve? Yes. And that's kind of, you know, the same thing could be said about Adam Sandler. And it, like, I can't, I couldn't find this 
I couldn't find uh, this story, but I read somewhere about how those Nickelback guys, like, they like all kinds of music. And they just get together and they decided to try to make the most profitable music at that time, which happened to be like alt-rock or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, but really, each of them can play anything. And they're really talented at, in the studio, too. So, uh, and then, and they understand the business really well. So like how to monitor, how best to monetize it. So I was, I remember reading somewhere, like they open up, like one of them is like kind of into Tejano. So he, you know, even though he's the basis for Nickelback, he also brought a bunch of like Latin American musicians into the studio and recorded them and released their albums and, you know, kind of produced and managed, you know, to some extent managed their career. And they, you know, just because they understand how to make a hit, like it's worth it for anybody who records any kind of music to come in and work with them because they're, they're really good at dialing in their, you know, the instruments and dialing in the recording equipment and just doing, and they, you know, they have it, um, they they just have you know their finger on a certain on a certain pulse and I think that Adam Sandler is the same way uh, you know he kind of knows exactly what uh, what the a vast majority of the people want you know and it, you know it might be you know it it ends up being a certain you know maybe on the on the lower side of brows or whatever if you want to if you want to get into that sort of thing and and it's not something you know you're never gonna hear Nickelback called, you know, musicians, musicians, even though it sounds to me that's kind of like what they are. Um, and, you know, uh, I think other artists might call, you know, people like Adam Sandler or Nickelback hacks. But I think, uh, I think it's not, it's not them that make, you know, that makes it what they are. It's, you know, Kind of the since the vast majority of people want a certain kind of thing, it's ultimately if there is you know <clears throat> if there is kind of you know maybe fluff or something like that being monetized and mass produced, it's 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 every one of our faults, not the artist's fault. <laughs> is kind of what I, that's that's kind of the conclusion I came to it when I was just thinking about it by myself, uh, and I just I thought it was kind of funny and weird and yeah i wanted to you know to some extent tip my hat to all those guys um and you know I, who knows how they i don't know how what kind of people they actually are maybe they're maybe they're all you know horrible people personally i i don't know i don't know I, I don't know about adam sandler either but uh but just from what i know and you know what they do in the public eye i you know i think it's i think it's kind of interesting everybody's got to make money right you know you gotta you can some people, you know, drive a garbage truck and some people, you know, like people work in advertising and, you know, you're selling, you know, you're trying to make little kids want to eat more sugar cereal or something. Uh, there's there's a lot of, lot of different ways people make money. Some of them are despicable and some of them not so much. And, uh, you know, I think that these guys have all found a pretty fun way of doing it. So, so good for them. Uh, okay. <laughs> Point. I, Counterpoint. Okay. <laughs> As I when I first saw it on the show sheet, I was like, "How dare you, sir?" 
because Nickelback is a widely derided band, and I also am aware of this uh, trend for derision uh, of Adam Sandler, especially maybe in the last 15 years of movie making. Um, you know, I... I count myself as an Adam Sandler fan. I saw him live in concert one time. Um, I am looking at his IMDb, and there are many, many of his movies that I have not seen from have the you last seen, 15 years. Have you years. seen Grown Ups 2? I have not seen Grown Ups 2. I, don't, Do I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't seen Grown Ups either. I will say, since I've had kids, my, my watching of adult movies is, is really dwindled. Do you know um, about the podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time? Did I tell you about that one? No. That's these two... Wait, wait, wait. Put a, put a, put a pin in that. Put, write that on the show sheet. Let me come back to it. Just because... Let, let me just stay on task here. Okay. I've got to say, I, I came to the this argument ready to give a massive counterpoint, ready to make my case for why... Adam Sandler and Nickelback have nothing in common. <laughs> but you, sir, made such a cogent and persuasive argument <laughs> that I think you may be right. And also, your knowledge of Nickelback, and I hope that's just you were just researching for the podcast, is uh, pretty sound. And um, I, I think maybe you're right. Maybe. Uh, well, like I say, I couldn't find the article about, you know, them you know, being producers or whatever, so... So are we the Nickelback of podcasting? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, that's a That seems like a good get-at-us. A us. lot of the things that you were saying about Nickelback made me think, oh, <laughs> get, we're, get, we're mass-produced fluff. Get-at-us when Magical Nation we're tells just, us... <laughs> tell us which, which band you think <laughs> we're the podcasters of. We're just giving the... We're just giving the people what they want. <laughs> Also, you were like, I don't know about the members of Nickelback, or I don't know about Adam Sandler. By all accounts, Adam Sandler is a nice guy, a real a sound geezer. Good. No, I'll tell I you what. I don't. Uh, I don't know that either. His they did that tribute to Tom Petty, um, and it was this awesome thing for what would have been Tom Petty's, I guess, seventy third birthday or something like that. And you know, they just had all of these people basically doing Zoom calls, recording Tom Petty's music. And uh, and Adam Sandler did "You're So Bad," you know, "You're So Bad," best I ever had, uh-huh. uh, and it was so good. It was pretty he darn good. Nailed it. Yeah. Also, I learned from that show that pretty much everybody does a good Tom Petty impersonation. It is—it's easy. And it's really accessible, isn't it? Yeah, I realized that it's because Tom Petty was kind of just doing his best Bob Dylan impersonation, mm, and right. then there's. Uh, so, which, you know, kind of everybody has one of those, too. So if you just kind of go halfway with your Bob Dylan impersonation. Hey, I like this yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. You end up with a Tom Petty impersonation. But, uh, but uh, that, if you haven't seen that, you should check it out. I, I don't know if it's still available available on TomPetty.com or not. But so, so much good stuff. It just, like, definitely some of it had me in tears. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Tom Petty. The Flaming Lips did an awesome cover. Uh, just tons of tons of great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, what I was going to tell you about, though, regarding Adam Sandler movies and specifically Grown Ups 2, there's a hilarious, hilarious podcast. Uh, it's I, I didn't make it all the way through it, but it's just these two 
uh, beer drinking New Zealanders who decided to watch Grown Ups 2 every day for a year. No, sorry, I guess it's I guess it's once a week for a year. Uh anyway, and then and then just talk about it afterwards. Oh, a feat of endurance. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And I think I think that and it's it's really it's hilarious. It's a lot it it made me laugh a lot. Like I said, I didn't finish it, but you know, there's only so much time in this world for uh for podcasts. Uh and I, but they did make a second season and it was Sex in the City too, which I don't know. Apparently, that's a very terrible movie too. Um, but <laughs> but Grown Ups Two is hilariously bad. And, uh, well, you know what? Speaking of terrible movies, yes. I I want to pre, I want to have a little pre Avo Reviewski here. I want to pre promote a film that I'm in the middle of watching. It is Disney's. The Strongest Man in the World, starring a very young Kurt Russell. Cool. The basic plot outline is that a group of uh, community college, I don't, I don't know if it's a community college, it's a lesser college, Medfield, um, a group of scientist students, general sciences students, stumbles upon this formula that can make you super strong. And I, my son and I started watching it in the afternoon and my wife and daughter were gone. And I found it so quirky and weird that I wanted to save it for later. Really I had other stuff to do. So I told my son, let's let's wait and watch this together as a family tonight. And But then, we did sit down and start watching it as a family, and we only made it about an hour in before I could tell everybody was so excruciatingly bored with it. <laughs> and it really is is, a, is another really bad movie. There's a reason you haven't heard about it. I was um, going to say I thought I'd I thought I'd seen all of the Kurt Russell early Disney movies. I had never seen. I had never heard about it. Um, the computer wore tennis shoes. It, it is again one of these films where each scene and set and sequence is more ridiculous than the previous. It jumps the shark every scene. <laughs> well, that's so, you know that's an achievement unto itself, isn't it? We'll we'll get into that uh, on the next episode. I I think that I should go ahead and finish the movie before I review it here. I was thinking about starting to review it but i should i should gut it out until the end so that i can give a a cogent and persuasive review such as well hats off to you for that i I don't think that that i or any of one magical nation would ask that of you <laughs> we'd be just, we'd be just fine for you for, to hear you give a theoretical review of the rest well of i i obviously have higher standards for myself than anyone else holds me to <laughs> I liked it the other night when you said, I'm glad to hear that you think other people should respect this podcast. Something, <laughs> something to that effect. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the exact opposite of you in that regard. <laughs> I, I'm giving it my all uh, here. Between, oh, oh, yeah, me, between me, you, and the laptop, I'm hoping that it comes across in the delivery. I definitely, I, and I definitely am too, of course. Um, but you just have a better sense of how people put, how people rate podcasts in their life. 
and how and my and kind of my general place in this world too. It's very well. Some people uh, really esteem podcasts. I think you're one of them. Yeah, uh, but you know, if if I could make a couple of people chuckle just a little bit, then I, I'm calling that a win. I, well, I think we've got a couple people chuckling for sure. Oh, glad to hear it. So glad to hear it. Uh, speaking of having a having a few yucks. Uh, I got a few yucks out of a movie that I'd like to tell you guys about. Please do. Uh, yesterday, because uh, I, I was, you know, try, you know, trying to trying to get my mind off, you know, what was going on in my mouth, but also not really able to use my mind for anything useful. So I watched a, I watched a few movies. Um, I watched one called Bushwick with Dave Bautista. Uh, and a bunch of people that I didn't know. Love was, Dave Bautista. It was in a, it was in a theoretical near future when a when a civil war had broke out in America, and there was a and Bushwick, the neighborhood in Brooklyn, was being invaded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not a very good movie. Oh, um, sounds interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. And and there's a bunch of shots of Brooklyn that I enjoyed. Of course, some of them were you know were old neighborhoods, old stomping grounds of mine. But, uh, and, you know, it's, I guess, I, could, I would say it's it's actually an all right little movie. It, uh, I think it, it... Maybe you could describe how much you enjoyed it with some kind of scale. Let's give it, <laughs> let's give it five and a half avos. Oh, okay. Shoot, I'll um, watch a five and a half avo. If someone's yeah, got three avos, I consider it. It's definitely not unwatchable. Okay. <laughs> um, three avos is my breaking point for am i gonna watch this movie which for me like unwatchability is like really the only that's like where i draw the line mm. you know if a movie is if, if a movie is watchable then i probably f- can find a reason to like it you know unless i think it's got a negative message but uh a a movie with a very nice message that was completely watchable and in fact charming and delightful is called The Hunt for Wilder Humans. Hmm. It's a Taika Waititi movie. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he makes a cameo in it as as a priest and he's hilarious. Say the name again. Taika Waititi? No, no, no. The name of the movie. Oh. <laughs> but I, I don't mind saying his name again because it's fun to say. Uh the movie is called The Hunt for Wilder Humans. Okay. I think it's The Hunt for Wilder Humans or The Hunt for Wilder People. Yeah, The Hunt for Wilder People. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's delightful. It's a, a, a little uh, a troubled Maori teen uh, is sent to foster care with these, uh, these kind of white farmers. Maori. Maori. Uh, and, and it's delightful. Sam Neill is the, is the dad, or he calls him auntie and uncle, and Sam Neill is the uncle, and his, his, uh, his awkward chemistry, um, between, between him and this little Maori kid is delightful. Uh, and yeah, it's just a charming, charming, charming little film, and I give it... Eight avocados, seven and a half. Could the what kids? You know? Could the kids watch this? I think they could. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't see a rating. 
there's well is yeah. there is there any open nazism no okay then that'd probably be all right um we can you, you can advise me offline yeah. there's you know just always uh, looking for content that we can all enjoy there's there's something that happens in it. yeah i'll tell you about it off the all air right, yeah uh, but you it, don't you know, ruin it, for it might it might be a good conversation to have with your kids anyway and a good way to start the conversation um if you had to explain that to them uh yeah but uh yeah 100 recommend and just you know new zealand is beautiful uh sam neil is also beautiful uh in his way and uh yeah check it out it's fun well, I think speaking of New Zealand, that reminds me of news. <laughs> Effortless. <laughs> there's a there's a clunky segue, and you'd have to go on a cruise to get to New Zealand if you uh, say lived in a time before air travel. You definitely um, would. You're absolutely right. So let's go. Talking about the so I am I'm always with the BBC, right? My stuff seems to always come for the BBC. Yeah. This is a this is a fun little article. This is a real um butterfly effect story. It rem- this reminds us that no man is an island and things that we do here have repercussions all over the world. Um here's the headline. Melania Trump's hometown in Slovenia hopes its fame will last. Now, um, that's uh, Sevnika, Slovenia is Melania's hometown. And this article starts by featuring the, it, it shows a picture of a cake inside of a patisserie shop. Torta Melania takes pride of place in the display cave of a smart patisserie attached to Sevnika's only hotel. Schaefer, tell me if this article is being a little tongue-in-cheek here, okay? For the past four years, the people here have leveraged minor international fame to promote their central Slovenian town and its products. By now, the Trump presidency is entering its final weeks. There's a sense that of an end of an era for Sevnika as well. We wanted the cake to be elegant, to resemble Melania, with gold because of the Trumps, and white because of the White House, says Nusa Vidmar, the owner of, and I'm going to butcher the name of the patisserie, but I'm going to give it a try, the Slashikarna Julika patisserie. I, I have a little bit of Slovenian training. That's so. that's one of my very favorite patisseries. Yeah, yeah, right there on that the main street by the attached to the only hotel, which is a Best Western. Um, <laughs> and then the next the next sentence in the article says, "It also contains nuts, which were which were a seasonal ingredient when Melania Trump first became became first lady in January 2017." Is that tongue in cheek? It also contains nuts. Um, this is an interesting article about a little town that gained some fame. It's not really a tourist town, but they had some tourist dollars coming in. You know, there's a, there's a statue, uh, that, um, they had put up of Melania 
that apparently looked nothing like Melania. And it was made of wood. And it was, uh, they erected another one. The second version of the statue, simply called Melania, the original wooden figure, which bore not even a passing resemblance to Savnika's famous ex-resident, was burned by an unknown arsonist over the summer. Oh, no. When I first started reading this article, I thought, are the are the people of this town like aware of like, how Trump is seen? And I think they're aware. I think this, so this tells me that they're aware. There's there's uh, there has been a lot of opportunities for uh, high end gifts, locally produced gifts, wine, chocolate, a, a beauty cream, a beauty cream called First Lady um, that have been produced in this town. Um, it's a real sad story because something tells me that uh, the Sevnika is going to fall back off the map. <laughs> yeah. We're we're hoping so anyway. I'm not. I mean, I feel bad for the residents of Sevnika. I hope they were able to cash in on this on this charade a bit. What do you what do you, you what do you think the odds are that Melania is going to hang in there? You mean stay married? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The, according to Vegas, she's going to be out out the door as soon as possible. It seems like it. They uh, <laughs> just it really says something about humanity that you can book bets on that, on that in Vegas. But um, well, we it's a hot topic. And uh, I, you know, for her sake, I hope she does. Uh, you know, yeah, right, right. I like to think that you know. I don't know what she, I don't know what kind of person she is to be honest. But I'd like to think that she can't possibly be, she can't possibly deserve being married to that guy. She so, seems she seems like a nicer person than like the Trump and his blood relatives. That's how it seems to me too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, get get out get out of there, girl. Um, call a friend. Stay a you know. Stay at a friend's place. Do what you need to do. Um, hop on the horse, Boris. <laughs> any any one of the rhymes will, will work. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, I feel like that story might be just a little bit of a downer. Uh, I've got a story that's uh, that's uh, a little bit more on the up uh, on the upside. Uh, Australia, Dateline, Dateline, Australia. Wallet lost on Australian beach returned to owner 25 years later. An Australian man who lost his wallet at a New Year's Eve party on the beach was reunited with the lost property when, he, when it was found 25 years later. Uh, Joseph Buse was on the beach uh, in Lennox Head, New South Wales. He came across a wallet that appeared to have spent a great deal of time exposed to the elements. Paul G. Davis found your wallet washed up on the beach. Buse wrote in a post to the local community Facebook group. Sorry all the cards expired in 95, but the five bucks might still be good. You just bought a future coffee. You bought future you a coffee 25 years ago. <laughs> a woman named Jody Davis recognized the name and identified the wallet's owner as her husband's cousin. She sent a screenshot, recalled losing the wallet to Paul. He recalled losing the wallet 25 years earlier. Straight away, he remembered it, and I knew that he had lost it. Yeah, he was blown away. So That's so wonderful. Never give up hope, Never folks. give up, never give in. Just like this podcast. Yes. 
just like, I'm glad I'm glad you had that to pick us pick our spirits up. Right back up again. That's yeah. what this this podcast does for you. We might take you down a little bit. We might be talking about Nickelback or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, oh. I wonder how many listeners we lost with that Nickelback conversation. <laughs> but we'll bring you right back up again. Oh, role play friend one and friend two. How to tell your I, friends about OMH? I think that's for. The, I think that's going to be on the next episode. I I because I can't even remember how that. Well, I definitely, I definitely had it planned out in my head, like, well, like what weird character I was going to use, but I've forgotten. Well, cop, so. copy and paste that up here. Let me let me make a space for you here. Yeah. Because for one thing, I need to. Because yeah, this. This future episode became uh-huh. we, an future, episode. Future episode began today's episode. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to give a shout out to my aunt Terry, who I believe is with, list, listening now. Um, who else reached out to me? I'm sorry, I've forgotten. But uh, uh, shout out to Cat and Jeff. Uh, uh, Becky and uh, Ali in in Seattle, and uh, Jonathan and the United Arab Emirates, and wait, are you just gonna say the names of all the listeners? Yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> okay, <laughs> from memory, yeah. which is not very good. Right. Uh. Well, yeah, we'll here, just... write them down. Schaefer's going to say everybody's name next time. Tune in <laughs> next time where your name will love. be said. We love you all. <laughs> Much love to all of you. And remember, the poorer the choices, the sweeter the wine. <laughs> <laughs>